What's up, everybody? My name is Adam Badger, and welcome to Talkin' Fit. What's up, everyone? Thank you for listening to Talkin' Fit. Uh, this is the next episode or the second uh, edition of Coaches Roundtable, where we have a group of coaches on to answer questions directly from listeners. And due to some miscommunication on my part, we just have John Fletcher here today, who's, who's a good friend of mine, um, uh, co-owner of Digital Barbell. It was supposed to be him and his wife, Blakely, but he thought it wasn't a big deal to just show up by himself. <laughs> The best half of the company is not here today. <laughs> but it's funny because I was like, I remember before we started recording, I was, I said, well, the whole idea of coaches roundtable is to get like multiple coaches on from, you know, to have differences of opinion. So when I invited John and Blakely on, I was like, you're both going to be there. Right. And he said, yeah. And then he said, no, it's just me. I'm like, dude, how do you think a roundtable works? You can't have two people at a roundtable. Doesn't make sense. If there's any disagreement, there's nobody like, there's no third party to like settle things. There's, yeah, but I guess I guess it's good because then I, I could just talk more, I guess. <laughs> no, but um this no, this is fun. So the, the idea of this episode, John, like I explained to you, is is to just get I think a lot of times when we're doing uh, when I have guests on or when I've been a guest on other people's podcasts, we we always, you know, provide valuable information. But a lot of times it's the first half of the podcast is you just talking about the coach and their history and you know mm -hmm. things like that. So I, I thought that this would be a good format to just get directly to like listener questions and, and what people actually want to hear about and just answer stuff directly. So if you want to just real quick, because John's actually been on the podcast twice before, just a quick brief background on you and uh, how you uh, got to this uh, hot seat today. Yeah, no, I appreciate you inviting us um, on on your podcast again. And uh, I do apologize for the miscommunication that Blakely's not here. <laughs> uh, before we get into the background and the question you asked, I want to point out, I know that this is an audio version of your podcast, but since we were last on your podcast, you know, we talked a lot about your Stanley uh, cup that you have. And I was a little bit jealous that I didn't have one at the time. You still got yours right there. I have now not only this amazing Stanley coffee mug, but for Christmas, I also got this Stanley thermos with a straw on it. Uh, so I really feel like I bring a lot to the table this episode now that I'm in the Stanley Cool Club. See, you. I feel like I feel the opposite. I feel like you sold out. <laughs> to be fair, they were both gifts. And uh, this one, the one, this one that I'm holding up here, like, you know, my mother-in-law got me this one. And I don't know, the color combo is a little bit controversial. You know, there's some, I don't know what you call that. Is that like a fuchsia or a hot pink or something on there? I don't know. Uh, yeah, I guess. I don't I, <laughs> So whether I've sold out or not, I'm rocking the Stanleys. I don't have the pink one from Starbucks or Target or whatever it is, but uh, I still feel pretty cool. You are you are very cool. I actually I would prefer the coffee mug. I like that. <laughs> it's like I have like traditional camping style, you know. Because I have the Yeti one where you don't. There's no handle, and it just yeah. takes. It's just not the same. Well, this will not drink like a cup, cup of coffee in your car. So that's one downside of the handle is you can't take it anywhere with you. But as long as you're drinking coffee at home, you're good to go. But uh, that yeah, seems so that seems odd. That's a travel mug. You would think they would make it accessible for. <laughs> isn't that the whole? Isn't that why Stanley became popular? It was because they could fit the couple. Yeah, well, they were for camping and stuff originally. But I will say that, like, I, there, I'm sure there's some cars that this will fit in, but it doesn't fit in our car. Um, okay, I don't think I won't. It wouldn't. It wouldn't fit in mine either. Yeah. Uh, quick background. Yeah, uh, Blakely and I own Digital Barbell. We're an online training and nutrition company, not unlike what you do. We help regular people get in really good shape. We pride ourselves on 
forming relationships with our clients. Our training methodology is a little bit different than some companies because of our background. We have a background in CrossFit and CrossFit and strength training and a little bit in bodybuilding too. So we combine what we feel like is the best of all three of those things uh, to get our clients the results that they want. Because we realize a lot of people will kind of get segmented into one of those things. And we've done all of those things on their own. And we realize that the best results and something sustainable for us is to kind of pull the best out of all of those. Uh, so you not only get strong, get fit, but you also look the part. So that's kind of our background. Yeah, no, I, I always liked that approach that you guys take. Cause I feel like, uh, just going through my history of, of working out those, that's when I was always having the most fun when I was doing like, you know, just a mixture of things. It wasn't being like dogmatic to like a certain style of training and i've been getting back into that over the last couple months just kind of going more towards like what do i actually like to do yeah you know what i mean just building i think that's a lot of the time that's where clients need the most help is they don't have that you know intuition or confidence to just go like oh this is what i like to do so i'm going to do mm -hmm. it they're always wondering like what could i be doing better what should i be doing but i think when you find a system that you like and you enjoy then that's the best training program for you. Yeah, it leads to the best consistency. And as we all know, that's where the best results are. So for example, yeah. like my workout yesterday was um, ascending deadlifts, 9753 building in weight. And then it was some tempo back squats. And then it was a short uh, 2159 of deficit push-ups and box jumps, and then finish up with some core work. The whole thing took about an hour, got some good conditioning in, got some good ab work, and got plenty of strength training too. So that's kind of what our training methodology looks like in real life. Nice, man. Nice. Awesome. So let's, uh, let's get into some questions. We actually let's have some decent ones, uh, this week. Uh, so start with one that I got, uh, from Ashley and she, she wrote when it comes to lifting weights, should you go to failure or should you focus on counting the number of reps? So Obviously, like I'm assuming what she means, like what is the best when it comes to like getting the best results? Um, so I guess, you know, you first, like what's your opinion on that? Do you feel like aiming yeah. for a certain, having a certain rep scheme in mind is what's more important or is it more important to just train to failure? Mm -hmm. I think the first thing I would ask is like, what is our goal here as far as, um, are we trying to just build strength? Are we trying to build muscle? Are we working for hypertrophy? Because obviously the research shows that for training for strength doesn't have to really have anything to do with hitting failure at all. You know, I think most strength progress is made kind of in that 70 to 90% effort range, uh, not to mention that it would be unsafe to train to failure on most strength lifts. You know, nobody wants to mm -hmm. max out deadlifts every week or go to failure on a set of back squats. So if your goal is just strength, then I would say work kind of in that uh, range that I just recommended versus even considering going to failure. I think if we're talking more about building muscle, you know, having better looking arms, stuff like that, now we can start to talk about getting closer to failure, working in closer to that 90 to hundred percent range. Now, <clears throat> I think one thing to point out is like, most people don't even know what it means to go to failure. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, you see, you ask somebody to like, show, show me a really hard set of bicep pearls. Like, I mean, I really want you to push it and you watch the first rep and then you watch the 15th rep and it's barely slowed down when they quit. So I think there is a time and place for asking a client to, all right, go to failure. I want to see what this looks like. I want you to see what it feels like to go to failure and more of the hypertrophy muscle growth 
progress will be made in that working really close to failure range. But I think some people might actually have to go to failure to really see what it feels like to get close to failure. Yeah, no, no, I agree with you. So yeah, I think uh, actually to answer your question too, is like assuming that your goal is to improve body composition and the way you look. And I, and I, I think when you're training for strength, like strictly, I just want to get stronger in these specific lifts. You don't necessarily need to go to failure, like John said. And as a side effect of that, if your nutrition is on point, your body will probably change over time. If your main goal, though, is to change the way your body looks, your nutrition still has to be on point. <laughs> um, but you would focus more on training to failure. And by training to failure, guess what will happen? You'll get stronger as a side effect. Yeah. Because if you're training, let's say you're doing dumbbell chest presses and you could get 10 reps with the 25s and then you, um, and, but ten, like 10 reps, you're like failing on 10 reps. And what I mean by failing is you go to push the weight off your chest and you literally cannot straighten your arms and you have to bail, right? Mm -hmm. That's failure. If you then the next week get 10 and three quarters of a rep, you've now gotten a little bit stronger, but you've mm -hmm. also pushed your muscle to failure. So I don't think it's necessarily one or the other. In my personal opinion, I think if you are, I would more scale it based on proficiency. So if you are new to a lift, I would focus on a certain rep count and perfecting your form over time and gradually getting stronger. If you, the more advanced you are, then I would say you should be pushing it close to failure in most of your lifts where it's safe to do so. So like John said, like, I wouldn't say, I wouldn't go, I'm going to push the failure on a barbell deadlift. But like, if you're doing dumbbell rows, push it to failure, right? Mm -hmm. Like, it's like, what's the worst that'll happen? You can't get it. And then you just drop it on the floor. Like, so like, I think, I think there's, there's a nuance in there too. Do you agree with that? Yeah, for sure. You got to look at like the risk reward ratio with each individual exercise. And I don't really even think like, you know, most of these little isolation exercises that we're talking about, there's not a big risk of injury. Like you said, on a set of dumbbell bench press, you can't do it. You just drop them. You're doing, you know, tricep kickbacks, you stop doing them. <laughs> there's no big yeah. risk. And I think a, a newbie kind of like, once they feel confident that they have the technique, um, under control and it's helpful if you have a coach kind of watching to make sure you're doing it right. They can probably do more than they are than they're used to if they never had a coach before. So, so really like figuring out what does it look like to get to like a 90 to hundred percent effort and kind of living in that range. I think most people unlock a lot more progress when it comes to changing their body composition, when more of their sets are really close to failure than, you know, if they didn't have a coach and we're leaving, you know, five, six, seven, ten 10 reps in the tank, every single set. Yeah. I think, I think another, another point that I give people on this, and I know that we're kind of going off in the weeds, but I think it's important for people to hear these these tips, because um, these are ones that I give actual clients. I think generally speaking for most people, like unless it's specified, if you can do less, if you can't do at least five reps, then it might be too heavy for that lift. But if you can do more than 12 or you can do 12 without question, then you need to up the weight, right? Yeah. So I think as long as you're kind of landing in that range, where at some point between five and 12 reps, you are hitting like mechanical failure, meaning that you can't maintain good form with the given weight and it's and you can't finish a rep. I think again, for, for outside of your main lift, so like let's take like barbell bench press, barbell squat, um, barbell deadlift off the table, most of your lifts, 
you should be pushing it to mechanical failure because if you can, uh, I just told my wife this actually because she worked out, uh, she worked out yesterday and she's like, she was using like the cable row at the at the mm -hmm. gym and she's like, I don't understand. Like they, it goes up by 15 pounds. Like what if I can't go up 15 pounds one week? And I said, well, what did you do today? She's like, well, I did the set. I did 70 for four sets of 12. I said, if you can do four sets of 12 with something, you need to bump it up. Right. Mm -hmm. uh, and I give people that, 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 that cue too of like, just because it says three sets of eight to 10, doesn't mean all sets have to be eight to 10. And I mm -hmm. think that's also what Ashley means is like, if it says eight to 10, should you just be aiming for eight to 10 or should you be aiming for failure? Cause if you hit failure at six, is that worse than if you could have done eight to 10 with a less weight? And I think at that point, you're just overthinking it. I think mm -hmm. once you, if you are hitting failure, whether it's six reps or 12 reps, it's the hitting failure part that gets your muscles to grow. It, but if you're like, I need to get eight to 10 and you just hit eight to 10 without question, all three sets in a row, you probably could have gone heavier. Yeah. I always get leery when I, not, not leery, but I always like dive deeper when I see a client do the exact same number of reps for each set. hundred percent. Yeah. You know, if they're getting like 15, 15, 15 on dumbbell rows, I kind of dig in and be like, you know, the point isn't to do a certain number of reps is to bring each set close enough to failure that, you know, you worked really hard. So really, if you're doing it right and you're not resting too long between sets, I would expect your number of reps to go down each set as you fatigue. You know, 100%. Like 15, 12, 9, something like that. Yeah. Oh, no, I agree with you. I'm glad you said that because I've had those conversations with clients also where I'm like, am I not explaining this right? Like, like, like it, because it kind of throws the entire system out the window because people are so used to seeing their workout programs say like uh, three sets of eight to 10 or three sets of six to eight or whatever. And then they become married to this, this number. It's like, no, yeah. this is just a range for you to generally land in. So don't be afraid to kind of push out of your comfort zone. Cause I do the same thing. If I see someone's workout logs and there's like, I did the twenties for three sets of 15. Well, yeah, you could have done the 25s. You probably could have yeah. done the fucking thirties to be honest with you. Cause yeah. like, you're just not pushing it. You're not pushing it hard enough. Yeah. It's more about those last few reps of the set being really hard and trying to aim for that happening within the rep range that we give you. Cause that's the, you know, the quote safe range to work in that maximizes whatever your goal is. Yeah. It's like, yeah, it's, it's interesting. It's like, um, it's like in football, like you got to go a hundred yards to score a touchdown, but all that counts towards the touchdown is crossing the end zone. <laughs> that's all that matters. So you're doing all this work, running all these plays, just to cross the end zone but the end zone is all that fucking matters like that's the yeah. only thing that matters it's the same thing with working out it's like if it says 12 reps the only thing that actually matters is like rep 11 and 12 where you're hitting failure you're just building to that over the other over the other reps and i like i know we've beat this up pretty bad but <laughs> like understanding this concept is really the thing that stops most people who are working out from getting the results that they want they're simply doing their routine at these rep numbers with the weight that they have at home or the weight they've always used. They're not getting any kind of progressive overload. They're not working at the intensity that actually causes muscle growth and strength adaptations. So they're just doing all this work, but they're not seeing the result that they want. So if you yeah. can get somebody to understand, it's not about doing a certain number of reps with a certain number of weight. It's about working at the right intensity and being consistent enough and getting enough volume in over the course of the week. If we can do that and we can progressively get you stronger, you're going to be a whole different person in three to six months. Oh yeah, no, I I completely agree, and and I think I, I think this is why these these this format is really good because it allows us to just dig for a few minutes on like a specific topic because it would have been very easy to just go 
failure or reps, <laughs> right? I'll just pick one and then move on. But like, it's a simple question, but, and people don't take the time to understand this, but really if, if we had to like put a, put a, you know, a, a, a takeaway, the intensity is always going to matter the most. So it doesn't matter if you do six reps or 12 reps or three reps or 15 reps. It's what are you pushing that muscle to a point where it, 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 it signaled a change. So yep. even if, cause again, like if it says, uh, you know, heavy deadlifts, three sets of three with 85% of your one rep max, right? Let's say someone doesn't know what one, what the one rep max is. And they just throw on a weight and they do it for three sets of three. Nothing's going to happen. Like at best, oh, you moved around today and you got better. Maybe you learned more about the form, but like you're not growing muscle from doing that. You have to actually test yourself and go. Uh, and that's why when when someone, when I have a new client who maybe sees like something says like six reps, they're like only six. And I'm like, when I see six reps, that six <laughs> I'm terrified. Reps, yeah. Six, I think six to eight reps is like the worst rep range because it's heavy <laughs> and you're also doing it for a lot of reps. Same thing. Like if I see 20 reps on something, I I know that the, it's always, the weight is always heavy. So that's, mm. that's one thing people have to get over too, is it's always going to be, it's always should be heavy. It's just, is it getting heavy after 13 reps or is it getting after heavy after one? But that last rep should feel the same, whether you're doing 17 reps or one rep, right? It's just, yeah. it's the same feeling. That's a great point. It's yeah. about effort level. It's always heavy, guys. It's yeah. always heavy. That's it. <laughs> yeah, but that um, only applies to the male clients, right? No, should, no. Only they, only they should be lifting heavy. Yeah, because women will get bulky if they lift heavy. It's yeah. it's funny when people say that, and then like I'll have specific clients who I'll point out and be like, does she look bulky? And they're like, <laughs> no. And like, well, she lifts more than some of my male clients. Yeah, like, she's squatting 185 pounds for reps. Yeah. One of my clients, she's like 50, and she actually is a fan of you guys too. She listens to your podcast. She just told me that the other day. She's like, oh, I listened to Digital Barbell, and they they brought, they mentioned their friend Adam. And she's like, I was assuming they were talking about you. Do you know them? I'm like, yeah, I know them. <laughs> so, um, That's awesome. Yeah, but she could deadlift like 300 pounds on like a trap bar and she's super lean and and, and in good shape. And then people will, you know, people will tell me, I'm afraid to lift heavy. And like, she's 50 and deadlifting 300 pounds. And she, if you saw her walking down the street, you'd be like, that's, that's how I want to look. Like if you're a female, <laughs> right? So like, don't get, a, don't be afraid of lifting heavy. She must uh, do Peloton. She must do yeah. It's it's funny. It, yeah, it's uh it's it's crazy. It's crazy. Ra rabbit hole warning, rabbit hole warning. Yeah, yeah, we're going down the rabbit hole. Um, all right, next one. This was a question you got. I didn't I don't have a name on this uh this person's question, but it is a good question. Um, why does my upper body rarely feel sore the way my lower body does? After any given training session, heavy load, or after time off, my lower body is usually the place I notice muscle soreness. I rarely ever notice anything in my arms or chest. I know soreness isn't necessarily a measure of good slash hard work. Just curious if there's a reason those muscles don't feel sore and if maybe it does mean I need to change something. So what would be your response? I would say, uh, I can identify with this first of all, <laughs> especially no, when we go camping for a couple of weeks and don't have access to heavy barbell. And then like the first workout back doing some heavy back squats, I'm like, I'm going to feel this in a couple of days. <laughs> so yeah, I, get yeah. what you, I get what you're saying. I think, you know, if we kind of look at, well, what is muscle soreness anyway? It's kind of the, it's feeling the effect of having muscle damage. How do we get muscle damage through lifting weights through, especially 
any kind of tempo work through eccentric contractions. So when we look at the lifts that can potentially cause a lot of soreness, it's something like a back squat where you are doing an eccentric, you know, part of the rep on the way down as you're lowering the weight. So you're causing muscle damage, but I think specifically with the lower body, it's because we're moving the most amount of weight on lower mm. body lifts. Like, I don't think anybody listening to this probably can bench press more than they can back squat or deadlift. You're moving more load, causing more muscular damage on the lower body lifts. And I think also one of the reasons we feel it so much a couple of days later on the lower body stuff more is because we spend so much time sitting with our muscles in a shortened position during the day. So when we get up from that position, we're now stretching the muscle out, taking it to the, you know, through a full range of motion. And we're feeling the damage that we caused a couple of days later. We're like we stand up or we get down on the toilet. We're like, Ooh, like you really feel that soreness. Maybe in your regular life, you're not like stretching your chest out with your arms wide open, you know, as you, yeah. as you like type an email for work. <laughs> so I think you're using your body more, um, in ways that you feel the soreness you're using the heaviest loads on your lower body. You're incurring more muscle damage and you're spending more time in an unstretched position, letting those muscles get tight that are already sore. And then you feel it more when you, when you stand back up and move around. That was a, that was a very, uh, thought out response. And I agree with all of it. I, I was different than the response I was going to give. Um, but I think yours definitely makes good scientific sense. Like, like that's probably what's happening. Do I'm you know something of a scientist? Adam. I don't know if you know this. <laughs> Do you know if the, the person who asked the question was a male or female? It's a female. She's one of our clients actually. Yeah. So, so that's what I, I, I thought. And my answer to the question was going to be, I feel like if it was a female client, it's because part of the pro part of it is what John said. And the other part of it is I think females just tend to like to train lower body more than upper body. So you are probably like John said, maybe you're going heavier on the lifts just you know, factually because you're going to squat more and deadlift more than you're going to bench press. But I think also like what I've seen from training female clients, like they'll be able to push their legs a little bit harder. They don't have a hesitancy to like work their butt or work their thighs. Right. But they yeah. may, they may not getting a strong, like upper body from a lot of female clients, like at first maybe isn't their main priority. I think also like with legs, you don't really have to force like mind muscle connection as much. Right. You just, you're using your legs, right? It just happens. Whereas you go like, down, doing, you got to go up. <laughs> yeah. Whereas like when you're doing pull-ups, it's very hard for like people to engage their lats. So they end up just using like a bunch of upper body muscles. So it's not as like much of direct work on the flip side. I would say if this was a male, if you're a most average general population client, males don't like to train legs. So you've probably <laughs> trained upper body higher volume your whole life. And now we're making you train your legs. So they're going to be more sore. So like for, for yeah. a, a male client of mine who's been bench pressing since high school, but has skipped leg day, of course your legs are going to be more sore because they're just not used to this as much. Yeah. That's a great point. Yeah. I don't really have anything to add to that. Uh, I, <laughs> so I I've think... never, I've never been the guy to skip leg day, so I can't identify with it, but it makes perfect sense. <laughs> oh yeah. I mean, I think, I think that it, I, I think most, most male clients that I've worked with aren't like as excited to do lower body like when we first start, um, you know what I mean? So like you gotta, you gotta kind of like get, sneak the lower body in there, like, um, things like that. Whereas like female clients are more on, on, you know, they're more like excited to do, to do lower body stuff. So, and they're hesitant to do upper body. So I think 
that sort of aspect can can be a somewhat of a like a practical uh -huh. reason why. Uh, but if John you, had a much more uh, in-depth scientific reason. Well, if you need, speaking of the scientific reason, if you need any more uh, like ammunition to convince those guys about you know doing their heavy leg day, like just remind them that the the biggest hormonal response we get that helps us build muscle happens when we lift heavy weights. So like those heavy back squats and deadlifts are actually going to help your biceps grow. It's not just about the work that you're doing with your legs. It's funny that you say that because I rem I specifically remember hearing that when I was in my younger days and being like, damn it. <laughs> like, you're like damn it you're like either i hope this is fake news or <laughs> <laughs> i remember going through a period of time in my training where i uh, the beginning where i didn't like training legs and then i got to a point where like training legs was my favorite like mm -hmm. i like i like you know i would uh, i squats and deadlifts were my fate my my two favorite exercises and then i got to a point where i was like i didn't really enjoy it as much anymore but like i still yeah. did it I, I but i just didn't enjoy it and now i'm getting back into you know, definitely enjoying it again. But the key is I did never stop doing them. Yeah. Like personally, you know, my first introduction to any kind of barbell work was through CrossFit. So there wasn't any kind of like leg day or upper body day yeah. or bicep day. So I didn't really even, it wasn't even a concept in my mind. And then when we got involved in, you know, starting strength and dedicated barbell training, like there were dedicated leg days and a lot of them. So, but I think the thing that motivated me to keep doing that was, doing like a linear progression uh, program where you're literally watching yourself get stronger every mm. single workout. So it was like this rabbit of strength to chase. It wasn't like you're just doing leg day. Yeah. You're, you're doing leg day to get stronger and you're seeing that you're adding five pounds to the barbell twice a week. So it kind of like gave a motivating reason to do leg day other than just like doing leg day. No, no, that, that makes a lot of sense too. I, it, it's funny to say that because when I first started to really enjoy training, lower body was when I was chasing like a specific squat and yeah. I remember getting stronger each and it, it, I never thought of it like that but I remember that's when I first that's when I fell in love with doing legs was that I was chasing like a 500 pound squat yeah. and then I was seeing myself get stronger and closer to this goal and I remember being like oh wow this is fun as opposed to just like oh I just gotta before that I used to just be like oh, I just have to work my legs until they're sore yeah <laughs> and then yeah that was not as and, and really like you know, even though we combine strength training, bodybuilding and CrossFit, like our approach to training legs is, is strength training, you yeah. know, like even though a lot of our clients go to a commercial gym where they have access to all kinds of different machines, that's not our background. So we don't really write our programming considering that we're just trying to get people's legs stronger. And then mm -hmm. we give a little bit of extra love to some of the muscles that people want to see more yeah. size and definition. And, and that's leg day. If you're squatting, if you're deadlifting, if you're RDLing, you're doing some hip thrusts, and maybe some like, you know, heel elevated goblet squats, some kind of little accessory you're doing leg day, but you, if you're getting stronger, you're going to get the legs that you want to see. Yeah. Like, yeah. I can remember, you know, in the process of getting stronger, going through like three pairs of jeans, ripping the seat out of them just from like lifting my leg, getting it in my truck. So I wasn't doing leg day. I was just getting stronger and yeah. my legs were, my legs were getting in, but we're getting bigger. <laughs> you were getting too, you were getting too bulky. <laughs> <laughs> fact, <laughs> but, but, but I, I did get too bulky during that time, but it's because of what I was putting in my mouth, not because I, of what I was putting on. the <laughs> I miss those days of just lifting heavy and eating whatever I wanted, and that, yeah, but that's not sustainable. Yeah. Um, like I'm a little bit hungry for a snack. How about a full peanut butter and jelly sandwich? Dude, I remember, I remember, uh, doing like a heavy squat day and then going to a restaurant with my friend and we both ordered like each got a dozen wings and each got our own pizza and then <laughs> and then having like ice cream afterwards and him being like 
you know, come on, you want to get stronger, don't you? And I'd be like, oh, yeah, I guess. And then like, we were just eating all, and I was just justifying this, this poor diet, <laughs> yeah. these poor diet choices. And then, but, but, um, you know, because I never so once I started working out, it was never an option to not do it. Even when that would happen, I never was like, oh, I'm going to quit working out because I'm getting fat. I was like, oh no, like I, I, now I have to switch my diet, which at the time I was like, well, that kind of sucks. But then when I got leaner, I was like, oh, I like this. So like, it's it, once you have it in your mind that like you're not quitting that's why i always get frustrated when clients are like not frustrated but when they're like oh you know i'm just glad i haven't quit yet i'm like why is that an option <laughs> right like why is that an option like like what are you quitting you're gonna yeah. quit eating foods that are good for you like you're just gonna stop doing that <laughs> yeah now this could easily go down the all or nothing mentality track if we're not careful yeah yeah but no that that's just something that's always been interesting to me is like yeah. oh like i'm just glad i didn't quit like what the fuck why is that an option yeah i've done a podcast a solo podcast about that before like if you like what are you doing this for do you want results tomorrow do you want results for next week no i'm pretty sure you want the results forever so this is now a process that you have to continue doing. It's not like you reach an end game or you reach a point of reaching your goal. And you're like, all right, I did all the fitness stuff. I'm going to go back to my regular life and my old habits. Now. Oh yeah. Well, you can, but you, you're not going to like the result or maybe you've already done that and tested it out and realized that doesn't work for you. This is now a process of becoming the person who does healthy things, who does the things, the healthy version of you needs to do for the rest of their life. Yeah. It's funny that you said it too. I just had a conversation with someone where, kind of laid out, I'm doing a group challenge and I laid out some general guidelines for the challenge that I preface by saying, before you say that these are inconvenient or that they're challenging, remember that this is a challenge. It's supposed to be difficult. <laughs> um, they were like, yeah, I noticed you said, you know, to limit alcohol and takeout to this. Like I gave them specific guidelines for the challenge mm -hmm. and they were like, that kind of, I was like, oh, that kind of sucks. Like, cause I normally eat out twice a week and I normally drink X amount a week. And I was like, yeah, that's what you yeah. were doing. And, and that's why you're just hiring a coach to like, right. like, I told her, I was like, do you want to just keep doing what you're doing? Or do you want to like, and we had a, we had a deep conversation about it and it was good conversation. Uh, you know, that's what coaching is, but it's just, it's just kind of having that in your mind with, with any of these answers that we're giving you guys or questions that you have. Um, just remember, like, are you looking for an answer that's going to, or that's justifying not having to do what you mm -hmm. have to do. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well next said. question Smith machines, yay or nay, a friend used one and was inclined to say stop. So I don't know if she was inclined to say stop. Oh, I think she was saying she wanted to tell her friend to stop using it. Gotcha. What's your opinion on Smith machines? Well, so in, in all honesty here, like we used to belong to a 24 hour fitness back in 2005, maybe, uh -huh. <laughs> but I, I was, I didn't, I didn't know anything about anything back then. And the only thing I did when we went to the gym while Blakely and her friend did their body pump classes <laughs> was to get in front of the television and use the elliptical machine. Like yeah. I was terrified of the side of the gym that had the free weights and the machines and the equipment on it. I never went over there. So truth be told, I, there was a big gap between then and when we started CrossFit in like 2009 and I've never even used a Smith machine. I don't program Smith machine stuff yeah. for people. If somebody's in a gym and, or a planet fitness and they literally don't have free barbells, I'll, you know, I'll coach them to do Smith machine squats or Smith machine deadlifts. But I don't really have a strong opinion on this because I've never personally used one and I don't mm -hmm. default to giving anybody any Smith machine exercise. So I'm going to defer to you on this one. Um, I, I, I honestly don't think it's they're, they're bad at all. 
I think that if someone's using it, as long as you're using it properly, it's totally fine. Like, it's just about context. Like, you're not going to build up your Smith machine squat and then have it transfer over well to a barbell squat. But if your goal isn't to get better at a barbell squat, then who cares, right? It's, it's, I think it's more about, I think it's, and I think it's a good question. I think it's funny when I see some coaches online getting so passionate about like how the Smith machine sucks or how the Smith machine is great. It's like, is this really what you need to be arguing about? Like it's a piece of equipment in the gym. If someone wants to use it, then let them use it. So like I'll program some Smith machine stuff. Um, and sometimes it's strictly based on uh, location. So like, for example, if I want someone to like do some sort of circuit with like inverted rows, or I'll program it on a Smith machine because it's probably less of a pain in the ass for them to hog <laughs> yeah. a Smith machine than to hog a squat rack. Or right. like I'll program Smith machine like RDLs because I feel like when the bar can't move forward or back that it's easier to get the form down and you can just focus on your hamstrings. Or same thing with like maybe bent over rows. But that's really it. I don't really program Smith machine squats very much unless a client like specifically prefers them or asks for them. But so to answer your question, um, I think if your friend is using the Smith machine, just let them use it. You know, if they're doing something wrong, help them do it correctly. But um, I don't think it's um, anything to worry about. Yeah. They're in the gym working out. That's cool. I'm realizing there might be somebody listening to this that like is where I was, you know, a long time ago, didn't even know what it was. So just to tell anybody who doesn't know, the Smith machine is basically a squat rack where the bar is like fastened into a channel. So it can only go in a straight up and down motion and you kind of lock it into position in any given increment. That's, is that a good synopsis? Yeah. 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 Is? So it's like a 15 pound barbell with hooks and it just yeah. goes straight up and down. Uh, and, and yeah. And that's one question I get to is, is they ask if the Smith machine bar weighs less and it does, it weighs 30 pounds less than a regular bar too. So if you're, if you're, you know, got 130, if you had 245s on a Smith machine, it's not 135. It's okay. 105. I didn't know that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The bar is way lighter. You can like lift it with one hand and just like move it around like that. So it is way lighter too. But, um, I, my, in my personal experience too, I think I, I, I used to like to do it for like incline barbell press too. Cause mm -hmm. again, I didn't have to worry about like whenever my shoulders were feeling off, I didn't have to worry about moving the bar. Like, Oh yeah. Back. Unracking it. Yeah. I don't like it for flat bench, but for incline bench, I found that it was good because it was just a straight up and down motion. You can go, you can go like right to the collarbone or the throat without mm -hmm. any, like it, when you're doing a barbell, you're like, this could kill me. <laughs> but like when you're doing a <laughs> Smith machine, if you can't get it up, you can literally just hook it on and you're good. Yeah. I guess one thing to say about this is you wouldn't want to use a Smith machine for any exercise where it's not supposed to be a vertical bar path. So like a conventional flat bench where there's a slight arc to the bar. Yeah. Path, you, you couldn't replicate that on a Smith machine. Yeah. So maybe give that some thought. Yeah. Um, that, that's a good point too. I think you could expand this out too. Like are machines better than, um, and I think you talked about this on a recent podcast, but are machines better than free weights? definitely more skill involved in using free weights, maybe a little bit more of a coordination and I don't even, maybe a neurological uh, component that maybe going too far to say something like that. But I think, you know, if you want to be a well-rounded athlete, you know, athlete of aging as one of our uh, people we've interviewed and calls it like, you know, using free weights might give you some benefit to, to power, to coordination, 
and just feeling more capable in regular life than using a machine where you don't have to like think about it as much. What do you think One thing that? I thought of too uh, recently, because I, I, a couple of coaches that I, I really, who are really good coaches that I respect, were saying recently on a podcast how they think machines are kind of better for most people because you can push to, to failure without any risk of injury and you don't have to learn too much of a skill. So like if you're, if your goal is like strictly body composition change, then like machines are probably better for you because you can like just target a specific muscle and push it to failure and you don't have to worry about getting injured. Now, if you're a professional bodybuilder, is there some truth to that? Like, yeah, maybe. But I think for the general population, I the reason why I like free weights is because there's this, and maybe this is me uh, overthinking it, but I think I think there's some truth to it. I, there's this also this component of extra movement that's involved of loading and unloading the bar, re-racking your dumbbells. Whereas with the other, with the machines, you're just moving a pin and like you move the pin, you sit down maybe for 60 seconds, you wait for the next set. Like, I feel like when people are in the gym or they're working out in the garage, wherever it is, like getting them moving as much as possible is really important. So even if it's just like a female starting at 95 and then going up to like maybe 150 on like deadlifts, every set she's got to get more weight she's got to walk over she's got to switch it out um you gotta you gotta set the bar up i just think there's just added movement in there for general population people just to get them moving more which i That's think a is a great point yeah. yeah i never thought about that also i don't know that i would say that using a machine like eliminates the risk of injury too i mean that's, that's like saying that the only reason people get injured is because of bad form. I mean, sometimes you just get injured. You didn't do yeah. anything wrong. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it, sometimes life just be like that. Uh, <laughs> so th there's definitely still risk of something going wrong using a machine. And a lot of these machines, like, you know, let's say you're doing one of those machines where you're sitting on a chair and you're lean back and you're pressing the weight away from you. Uh, what would you call that? Like a seated like a chest press. press? Yeah, yeah. Seated chest press. Like there's still just as much potential for you to flare your elbows out, you know, put your shoulder in a compromised position, even though the handles are locked into place. So, you know, you could still get hurt. I think using a machine, if you don't know what you're doing, <laughs> especially if you, the machine gives you some kind of confidence that you can just kill yourself on it without <laughs> getting hurt. One way that I've gotten hurt on a machine is when I was younger, um, not so like not, not to get too deep in the weeds on this one, but like a funny story was if you're ever in a gym, and you're using a tricep pull down. So like if you go to the cables, there's the lat pull down where you sit and it locks your knees in place and lat pull down. And then there's a tricep pull down, which you can do like cable flies on, things like that. The lat pull down starts at a much heavier weight than the, the tricep pull down area. So if you're going to use the lat pull down bar, which is heavier than a regular bar and you're hooking <laughs> oh. and you go to change the weight, oh, you man. have to hold down the top stack while you change oh. the pin. And what I did was I put a lap pull down bar on where the tricep area was. And, um, you know, I was going to do like straight arm pullovers or whatever. And I bent down to take the pin out <laughs> without thinking. And then the bar just comes down and cracks me in the back of the head. Oh my gosh. Now this for this for casual or for regular gym goers is like common sense. You just know if you're changing the pin on a cable flyer or tries to pull down area, you put your hand on the top stack to hold it down and you change the pin. I was pretty new at the time, younger days. I took the pin out right in the back of the head, learned the hard way. That's a good one, man. You should make an Instagram See, short or Instagram reel about this. It's a good safety tip. <laughs> it is a good safety tip. I, it's so it's, it's like, it's so like 
everyone does it when you're in a gym and you see people do it, like everyone does it but like it's a very it, it is a very logical thing that someone might not know you're just like oh i just switched the pin but the yeah. top plate is only like two pounds and the bar is six pounds and rips it down um last question is can someone over 60 or 70 build muscle or just hope to stop muscle loss nope you're done <laughs> and i'll lower it to 40 might as well 40. might as well quit <laughs> yeah i mean uh i think we'll both agree on this one that sure it can be more challenging as you get older you know you have a different hormonal profile you have more aches and pains maybe arthritis the cumulative wear and tear of of getting older but absolutely you know the main ingredients for building muscle are the stimulus to make it happen and the nutrition and recovery to ensure that it does so you're not immune to still providing your body with the stimulus of lifting weights and you're not immune from being able to sleep and eat protein and eat enough calories and your body will change. Like, you know, maybe not as much as it did when you were 20 or 30, but, and you may have to change things a little bit, um, have a little bit more recovery than somebody who's younger than you, but absolutely. My answer, uh, I agree with John and my answer is, uh, well, like it doesn't matter. You still gotta <laughs> like I, I think it's a great question. I I agree with John. I think you could probably build muscle. It's gonna be at a slower rate than if you were younger. Um, but stopping muscle loss is just as important. But either way, it doesn't matter. You still the answer is still the same. You yeah. probably should lift weights a few times a week. And I and I don't say that to be like a dick. I'm just saying that like it I I appreciate the question and I think it's a good question, but at the end of the day. It's like when someone goes, is it harder to lose weight when I have menopause? Yeah, probably, but it doesn't change the things that you have to do. So mm -hmm. like the, 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 it's like saying, is brushing my teeth going to make my teeth straighter? Like probably not, but you still got to brush your teeth. Like, you know, yeah. like, you, like just cause you're not getting that added benefit, you're, you're missing out on all these other benefits. Cause when you are lifting weights, you're changing your body from a hormonal perspective, you know, from a metabolic perspective, you're, you're releasing endorphins. Like you're getting the blood flowing. There's so many benefits that come, you're lower, you're, you're helping control your heart rate variability and your blood pressure. Like there's so many things that are happening when you're lifting weights. It's not actually not just about building muscle or losing fat. That is a bonus. It is something that does happen. And there are circumstances that can change that. But realistically, if someone told me right now, Hey, Adam, you're not going to build any more muscle the rest of your life. Like I would still lift weights because of how I feel afterwards and what I know it brings. Uh, so like for, for someone who's 60 or 70, even if you couldn't build muscle or, and all you could do was stop muscle loss, you still need to do this because it's going to keep your bones healthy, your joints healthy. Yeah. You're going to get stronger. It's going to keep you more vital and you're going to sleep better. So my short answer is, um, yes, but it doesn't matter. Yes, but it doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't matter. You still got to do the, do the things. Yeah. And like, I would say like, if you were, let's say you were like 64 years old and you had planned to retire at 65 and you realize at 64, you don't have enough money to retire. It's like, are there still things that you can do with your finances to give yourself the best chance of retirement and having a high quality of life? Yeah, absolutely. So you just may have to double down on some of the things that really matter. And yeah. the same thing is true. If you get a late start on, you know, building and maintaining muscle as you're older, you might just need to double down on the things that really matter, which, you know, as you get older, your body isn't as sensitive to anything protein, mm -hmm. you know, workouts. So you may have to just be more intentional about eating enough protein. You may have to eat more protein to, you know, get the same effects that you would have gotten in your thirties. 
you might have to, you know, be more consistent with your workouts. You might have to focus more on the, the, the lifts that give you the most bang for your buck. You might have to be more patient. Yeah. <laughs> you might definitely have to more sleep patient. a little bit more. You know, I think people forget that like, as you get older, you might need to sleep more. I think like sometimes old people, maybe this, tell me if you have any relatives like this, they're like staying up really late, you know, they're oh my God. Yeah. like, what are you doing? Like, and they're you, up early. You, you sleep is super important. Like if you're older and you're, and you're trying to get in shape, you know, double down on your sleep. You will be shocked at the difference that it makes, you know, no more of this, like 11 PM midnight bedtime <laughs> thing. I know even Dude. I was going to say, I was going to say old people are on Instagram, but old people were scrolling Facebook, staying up way too late. They need to go to bed. Uh, I have a, I have a quick story for you before I let you go. And this, this is, this is, and I don't, I am not referring to her as this because if she heard this, she would kill me. Uh, my mom, I'm not referring to you as an old person, but you're older than me, obviously, because you're my mom, but she's in her, she's in her, uh, she's in her, you know, uh, early sixties and me, me, my wife and I took our, our moms on a vacation with us to Florida last year. And, you know, I'm 33 years old. So like, I, I don't know what my mom's life is like at home at night because I don't live at home, obviously. Um, uh, so it was like a vacation. So even for me and my wife, like 10 o'clock is late on a vacation. And I remember going to bed one night, what I, which what I felt was really late. It was like, you know, 1030. And my mom is in her room. No lie. She's got all the lights on. She's got the TV on and she's got her laptop open and she's playing a game on her laptop while DMing her like cousin on Facebook <laughs> and was about to make a phone call. I'm like, was she making a cup of coffee as well? No, it wasn't. Like, I was like, what is going on? She's like, nothing. I'm just, I'm just getting my, like, I'm just, this is what I do every night. And I go, this is, I said, do you need to know that this is fucking insane? Like, how are you ever going to fall asleep? She's like, well, it's early. It's only 10 30. I usually don't go to bed to like one. And I'm like, oh my God. <laughs> like, this is how you live your life. I'm like, she's like, well, I can't sleep. I'm like, you can't sleep because of all the electronics that you have on. And then she's like, no, I'm going to call your aunt and we're going to, well, you know, we, I call it all the time. We'll talk for probably like two hours. Then I'll go to bed. I'm like, what the fuck? Like, it blew my mind. And then she was up at like 6 30. <laughs> Let's roll. Yeah, like she was up at 6 30, just ready to go. I'm like, I can't. This is crazy. Yeah. Insanity. Yeah. It's a good um, example of uh maybe old, maybe something that could be improved upon. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, oh man. Um, but anyway, man, this was fun. Uh thank you for coming on. I, I'm glad that we did this. This was this was a, a fun format. I hope you had a good time. Yeah, sorry I messed up the shape of the table. It was more of a rectangular. No table problem. Tell Blakely she she missed out. I will. <laughs> Um, yeah, man. Uh, and just real quick, if people want to find you, I know you said you guys just released a new, um, a, a new free, uh, coaching, like a free week of coaching yeah. thing on your website. So if you want to tell people a little bit about that, where they can find that. Yeah. If you're listening to this in January of 2024, we're offering anybody who's never worked with us before a chance to come get coached by us for an entire work week for free. You don't have to put in your credit card. We're not going to like hit you like Netflix does at the end of that. <laughs> free trial like man i forgot to cancel that thing and <laughs> i've done that before <laughs> <laughs> but yeah you can just go to digitalbarbell.com slash free uh, enter your information then we'll reach out with all the steps to to test it out see what it's like to get coached by one of us for an entire week for free awesome that's great and that's that's for the month of january or is it just from now on it's you know we definitely can't do that forever <laughs> we're any, just uh just for the month of january anybody who wants to take advantage of that can Okay, awesome. So I'll make sure I'll put this up before the month of January is out. Sounds good, man.
Awesome. All right. Well, thank you, man. I appreciate it. All right. This was fun, Adam. Thanks for having us on or me on. <laughs> <laughs>